0: You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church Podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. But grab your Bibles if you have them and turn to Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be at today. Uh, We have uh, one more message in our series uh, for our new year entitled Launch Out. Uh, And so we're winding down this series. We've got some exciting stuff planned for the month of March as well. Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be at. Our theme for the new year, Launch Out. We're going to be taking a look at how we can live by faith and we've been taking a look at some examples of the life of Peter, at the way that uh, Peter uh, lived his life, and uh, some ways that he responded to God's call uh, to live a life of faith. And we've been taking a look at that. If you missed any of the messages so far, you can always get caught up on our website at huikala.org. Uh, we can also subscribe to our podcast or download our Huikala app to your phone or your tablet uh, and stay caught up. That way, whatever you do, don't miss these messages. I know for a fact they'll be a help to you. Also, today, following the uh, immediately following this service, we're going to head over to Alamona Beach Park and baptize six folks uh, who have trusted Christ your Savior, and they're identifying with him today in believers baptism. I hope you'll join us for that. It's always an exciting time uh, for us to gather as a church family over to Alamona Beach Park and see these folks baptized. It's a great uh, testimony to folks that are watching as well, those that, who have trusted Christ and are now following him uh, in baptism. And so I encourage you to be a part of that today, immediately following uh, this service here. You say, will you preach a shorter message so we can go to baptism? I tell you what, I'll try really hard. How about that? <laughs> Uh, Luke chapter 5 is where we're going to be at uh, today. Luke chapter 5, uh, starting in verse number 1. It came to pass as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. The uh, lake of Gennesaret is also uh, sometimes referred to in the Gospels as the Sea of Galilee. He saw two ships standing by the lake, but fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now, when he left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draft. And Simon answering, said unto him, "Master, we've toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had this done, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes in their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they began to sink. Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished, and all that were, at, were with him at the draft of fishes which they had taken. And also it was James and John, the son of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto Simon, Fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. When they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Today we're taking a look at launching out in our stewardship, Uh, The word stewardship means to manage something that doesn't belong to you. Uh, For example, uh, there's been folks who sometimes have said, hey, pastor, we're going to the mainland for three months. We want you to drive our car for us. I turn down 100% of those opportunities. You know why? Because I don't want to be on the hook for your car uh, because I've had cars stolen. I've had cars broken into. I've had uh, cars uh, that that have gotten keyed and tires slashed and everything under the sun. I don't want to be on the hook for your car uh, and be responsible for that. So I turned down 100% of those because I don't want the Listen to me, stewardship of that. That means I'm on the hook for it. That means I'm responsible for it. It doesn't belong to me, but I'm responsible for how I maintain it. Uh, Now, it's been helpful sometimes when we've been maybe down a car or a car in the shop and someone offers to let us borrow their car. Does that's ever happened to us before, we've always made sure that it gets washed before we return it. We fill it up with gas. We clean all the French fries out of the, uh, the cracks of the seat before we give it back. We take really good care of it, and we give it back. And generally, if somebody's been really kind to us and let us borrow a car, we'll do something nice, like uh, get them a gift card at Cheesecake Factory or a Starbucks gift card or something like that, just to say thank you for what they've done. Why? Because that's good, what's the word? Stewardship. I'm managing something that doesn't belong to me It belongs to someone else. And I'm gonna take really good care of it while I have it, and I'm gonna give it back to them when I'm finished with it or when they need it back. That's what stewardship looks like. It's very different than say, for example, renting a car. We were uh, on the mainland this past week, we rented a car. One of the glories of renting a car is you don't have to wash it, you don't have to clean it out when you're done. It was an amazing thing. Our very last act on the mainland, we went through the Chick-fil-A drive-through very last thing that we did before we jumped on a plane, uh, because that is the Lord's chicken right there. Uh, but, so, <laughs> my, my friend, he was like, I, I don't like Chick-fil-A. I said, how can one not like Chick-fil-A? Chick I question his salvation. Are you sure that you're saved? It's the Lord's chicken. <laughs> And he says, it's just too expensive. It's just too expensive. I said, well, the good news is, is they probably tithe off of the money that they, they, they get from you buying chicken from them. Uh, but uh, our very last act that we did on the man, and we went to Chick-fil-A drive through before we turned in the rental car. And we get to the rental car to turn in the car. And my daughter, McKeeley's in the backseat. She's, she's 10 years old. And she says, hey, I guess we need to clean up all this trash in the back and throw it away, don't we? Oh, sweetheart, you've never rented a car before, have you? We don't have to do nothing. And she's like, what? Well, it would be nice of us to take all of our garbage and put away, but they have people that do that. That's their job, and we don't wanna take away jobs from people. right? I mean, this guy could get his hours cut because we cleaned out our car, right? And so we just turned it in with with everything. We cleaned out a little bit of the garbage and stuff like that. We weren't overly concerned with it being super duper clean. Why? Because it didn't belong to us. It never belonged to us. It belonged to somebody else. We were renting it. That's different than stewardship. Owning is different than all of that. Owning says it's mine. I'll do with it what I want to. I'll use it how I want to. And when I'm done with it, I'm free to do with it as I choose because it belongs to me. If we look at the idea of stewardship in the Bible, uh, the Bible tells us that stewardship understands that God is the owner of all things. God created everything and everything belongs to him. If God is the owner of all things, then that means that you and I own nothing. I don't own anything. I don't have anything to my name. We own nothing. God's the owner of all things. We're only borrowing what we have. Job chapter one, verse number 21. Job says, naked I came out of my mother's womb and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. If you understand the story of Job, Job was a man who was very wealthy according to the world's standards and lost everything. Like everything that he had to his name, children, land, possessions, his livelihood, his job, he lost everything. And you know what Job said? It's fine. I came into this world with nothing and when I die, I'm not taking anything with me and whatever I have is what God's given me and I'll just be thankful for that. Job had a good understanding of what stewardship looked like. Many times you and I think that what we've achieved in life is out of our own blood, sweat, and tears. And to a certain extent, that might be so, but it's always God who gives us everything. Nothing belongs to us at all. You see, we are simply stewards. The word stewards is not a, a steward is not a word that we necessarily use in today's vernacular. The word steward means to be a manager. I simply take care of God's stuff for him. That's what stewardship looks like. I don't actually have any money at all. All the money that I have is God's. I just manage it for him. My children don't actually belong to me. Those are God's kids. I just manage those kids for him to a varying degree of success from time to time. My car that I drive, it isn't really my car at all. It's actually the Lord's car. That's why I wanna take really good care of it. We try to teach our kids the value of things, not necessarily from a worldly perspective that daddy worked hard for this and we should take care of it. God gave us this and we should take really good care of it. Uh, We uh, change the oil on our car. Why? Because we want it to last longer. Why? Because we're materialistic? No, because God gave us that car. We wanna take really good care of it. I wanna keep our car clean and washed and free of french fries in the seat from time to time. Why? Not because I'm uh, overly uh, cleanly or I have a a cleanliness, what am I trying to say? Not because I wanna be clean, all right? Uh, But because it belongs to the Lord and it's a representation of how God gives us things and how we take care of them. The idea of stewardship permeates every area of our life. Unfortunately, many times when pastors will talk about stewardship, they're talking about one thing, money. How do you manage your finances? That's certainly a piece of the puzzle, but stewardship is all of life. It's every uh, time that I spend. Uh, It's how I spend my days. It's how I spend my time. It's the, uh, the way that I manage my finances. It's the way that I manage my relationships, my friendships. Stewardship is life. The Bible says in the book of James chapter one, verse number 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the father of lights with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. You see, if you have something good in your life, the Bible says that it came from God. If you have a job, God gave you that job. That's what the Bible says. If it's a good gift, it came. You say, oh, my job isn't necessarily a good gift. Uh, The fact that you have the ability to provide for yourself and maybe your family is a good gift. If you have a job, God gave it to you. If you would say that your kids are a blessing, God gave them to you. If you say your marriage is a blessing, God gave you that. If you would say, man, just being able to live in the great state of Hawaii, God gave you that. The fact that you woke up this morning, God gave you that. Every gift that you have came from God. We just get to manage it. And we see that life is about stewardship. All of life is about stewardship. It's about how I manage what God has given me. And some of you might be scratching your head and say, what does this have to do with launching out and Peter? Peter realized that day that everything that he had did not belong to him. That big, huge boat full of fish, two boats, actually, they were so full of fish that they were about to sink. Peter didn't lay claim to that. He didn't say, "Oh, look at all these fish that I caught. Oh, look at what I hauled in. No doubt we talked about in weeks past. This is probably the biggest haul that Peter has ever had in his career as a fisherman. So much that the nets broke, so much that the ship that he was on began to sink because it had so many fish on it, He had to call for help. They brought another boat. They filled it up with fish. That boat started to sink. No doubt, it was the haul of a lifetime. But when it came time for Peter to leave, he didn't ask for, hey, I want my cut of that fish. Hey, I want you to send my, my portion of my money that I would have gotten ahead of you. Hey, what are we gonna do with all this fish? Peter realized he didn't do anything to catch any of that fish. That wasn't his, that was the Lord's fish. You see, Peter had tried to get what he could out of life. He had tried to do what he could with his own power. And what happened? He came up with a big goose egg. Jesus said, hey, Peter, let down your nets. He goes, hey, Lord, look, we fished all night long and we caught nothing. All night long we worked and we got absolutely nothing. But because you told me to, I'm gonna, I'm gonna let down the net. And he did, and a massive haul of fish. But Peter didn't lay claim to that fish because he realized it didn't belong to him to begin with. It was the Lord's fish. And if it hadn't been for the Lord being on that boat, Peter would have came up empty that day. That's what I want you to understand about your life and mine. If it wasn't for the Lord showing up in our life, we would go home with a big fat goose egg every single day. And if there's anything good in your life, it's what the Lord has brought into your life because he is the good giver of gifts. That's who our God is. Now, how do we manage what God's given us? How do we steward that appropriately? Several thoughts here. Uh, at call College, generally what we do is we take a passage of scripture and we uh, dissect it, we talk about it, and we talk about the context of it, what it means, and uh, look at the, the different words and phraseology that, that the Holy Spirit uses as he writes the Bible. And we normally preach what's called an expository message, where we take a look at the text and find out, really, what does it mean? And then at the end of every message, we have an application. Today is just all application. We're not gonna go through this text as we we dissected it probably over the last six weeks or so. Today is just 100% application. How do I take this truth of what happened in Peter's life and apply that to my life? And let me help you with something today. The Bible is always applicable. You should always find something in the Bible that you can apply to your life, always. Uh, This morning I was reading through, uh, in my Bible reading, I read through 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, uh, and then I read... Um, second and third John are really easy because they're like three paragraphs. It was awesome. Uh, But uh, I looked at that and and one of the letters that John writes is to a woman who has children and he challenges her and I thought to myself, how does this apply to me? But then I thought to myself, I have kids. What is he telling her that I can apply? The Bible always has an application. Always look for the application. I don't know about you, but I've sat under preaching before where they talk about really, really deep theological truths and deep theological truths are really good but you walk away from the message kind of scratching your head and go, that was really confusing, but I think it was deep. I think that was really, really deep. I'm just not on the level to understand that yet, right? Let me help you with something. If you ever hear preaching where you leave confused, that's not good Bible preaching. Now, again, I'm not gonna wrap my brain around every truth that there is in God's word. Uh, again, for me, I've been reading the Bible since I was a kid. I haven't fully grasped all the, the truth of the Bible yet. I'm still working on it. So there's parts of the Bible that did just flat out don't make sense. But good Bible preaching always tells you what the Bible says and how you apply it. That's what we're taking a look at today. How do we apply this truth of stewardship? First of all, we must steward our time. I was talking with some folks uh, several weeks ago when we were talking about spiritual gifts. We are talking about the, the way that we, uh, we use our gifts and the gifts that God's given us, and uh, Romans chapter 12 talks about the gifts that God's given us, and one of the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives us uh, is the gift of giving. And we were talking about giving, and we said, you know, there was a time in our lives where it was very difficult to give financially. You know, to give ten dollars really hurt you had to figure out where you're going to scrape it from in your budget because that was a lot of money uh, i don't know about you but i remember when ten dollars was like so much money especially when we were newly married like every single dollar counted it had you had to scrape by to make it and then there came a point in our marriage where ten dollars was a, a cruise through mcdonald's drive-thru on the way home from somebody's house and ten dollars wasn't as much anymore but one of the things that as I get older that I value more than money, you can have all of your money that you want, I value my time because I can't get it back. And when I was 22, 23, 24 years old, I thought to myself, I'm gonna live forever, time, you can waste it. I would sleep in all the time because you know that's one of the ways that you pass time. Uh, I would spend hours watching TV, watching movies because you got nothing but time, right? But as I get older, I'm still a pretty young pastor, Thank you. One spiritual person in the room said amen to that. God bless you. Um, I had a guy this past week ask me, uh, we were at the gym, and he said something, something, uh, are you 55 or older? 55, bro, I haven't even broke 45 yet. It's like, good grief. It's the beard, I think. So um, anyhow, um, I was saying something, uh, time. Um, I was saying something really important. Uh, Time is one of those things that, as I get older, I realize I don't have a lot of time left. Uh, When I turned 40 years old, I realized that the average life expectancy of the U.S. male is 76 years old. By that marker, I'm over half of my lifetime is already gone. What will I do with the second half of it? Will it count? Will it matter? It will only happen if I steward my time well. I was talking with some friends a few weeks ago, and I told them uh, they were they had some friends that were trying to help and encourage to, to walk with the Lord, and they were providing some counseling the best that they could and trying to point them to Christ, which everybody should be that kind of friend to point people to Christ. And they said, look, we spent hours and hours and hours and hours for months and months and months with these people. We've seen little to no progress. What should we do? I should cut your losses and move on. Oh, <gasps> that's a terrible thing. No, 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 no you cannot spend your time, you must invest your time. You see the difference? Spending means I'm handing it out like I'm, I'm giving out candy at a birthday party. That's spending my time. Investing is me putting time into something with an expectation of getting something good back from it. You take a look at Jesus, Jesus didn't waste time with anybody. Rich young ruler came to him and says, hey, what do I have to do to get eternal life? Keep all the commandments. I've done all that, what else? Sell everything you got and follow me. Is there a plan B? Jesus said, no, and he turned around and walked off. Jesus didn't talk with him and, hey, let's talk about this. What's holding you back? No, Jesus said, follow me. He says, I don't wanna follow you. Jesus says, okay, I'm done. He turned around and walked off. Time and time again, people came to Jesus. Jesus, we wanna follow you. He said, hey, look, I don't have a place to sleep tonight, but if you wanna come, you're welcome to come. And people followed him for a little time and then people fell away. But at the end of the day, Jesus didn't waste time with anyone. He invested his time. Jesus went through Samaria and met the woman at the well. What an incredible story. Jesus went out of his way to find this woman at the well to talk with her. He shared the truth of the gospel with her, that he was the water that her soul longed for. Any woman that drank of that water would never thirst again. And she says, Give me this water. And he shared himself with her. And he, he gave her the truth of the gospel that he was the Messiah. She believed on Christ and she was saved. And she said, you got to wait here. I'm going to get some more people. And more people came back. And when those people came back, the Bible says that they begged Jesus to stay with them. Stay with us, teach us, train us. We want to know what's going on here. And Jesus stayed. You know why? Because he was investing his time. Jesus went back to his hometown and people go, isn't that Mary's son? (laughs) That, that's Joseph's kid. They built a deck on my, the back of my house last summer. I remember, well, who does he think he is? And you know what Jesus did? The Bible says he laid his hand on a few people and then he split. You know why? Because he wasn't gonna waste time with people who did not want the truth. You and I waste time every day. Some of it we have no control over. I sit in traffic far more than I want to. I have no control over that. I used to get really mad about it. I would get angry, I would, uh, people would cut me off in traffic and I would shake my fist at them. I would want to honk my horn. How many people, you live in Hawaii long enough to know you don't honk the horn, but you want to honk the horn, right? It's like you put your hand on the horn and it's just like, oh, if I was in Hawaii I would light you up with a horn honk right now. I don't have any control over that. But you know what I do have control over? What I do with my time on my commute. When I have to go pick up the kids, and I know I'm only stuck in traffic for an hour and a half, what do I do with that time? Do I just flip through the radio looking for something to listen to? Do I listen to talk radio, something that's just gonna make me angry about the state of our nation and and racism and economics and welfare and healthcare and everything else under the sun? Am I gonna do that? Or what should I do? I download preaching podcasts and I listen to preaching while I, while I drive. And it's very difficult to listen to preaching and be angry with other people at the same time, very difficult. Or I'll download some good worship music that I can listen to, that I can sing on the way. I'll download some audio books that I can listen to on the way that'll help me be, you know why? Because I don't have time to waste in traffic. I have to invest that time that I have. I'm gonna find something useful to do with that time. Uh, I like watching TV and being entertained like anybody else, but I don't have four hours a day to shit and look at a, a, a TV screen. I just don't have it. I have to invest my time other places. You have the same 24 hours in a day that everyone else does. Now I get it. All of us have different demands that we have on our time. That 24 hours, certain parts of it are already uh, taken away from us that we can't do anything with. I get that. But at the end of the day, what time you have, you have to steward it well. I've talked to folks before about their Bible reading. So well, I just don't have time to read the Bible. That is a lie. Simple as that. How long does it take to read a chapter from the Bible? How long does it take to read a proverb every single day? Less than five minutes. I mean, five minutes, you can't carve out five minutes in your day? Well, it's just been really, really busy at work lately. Hey, five minutes, anybody can carve out five minutes, but we don't because it's not a priority in the way that we steward our time. Hey, I could spend five minutes less on Facebook and Instagram and five minutes more in the Bible and I'll be helped by that. I could not read the news today and read my Bible instead. And I guarantee you, I'll be more helped by reading the Bible than I will be reading the news. And I don't know, I like to skim news headlines. I don't, I don't like watch it, like sit down and watch the news or anything like that, just because it's depressing. But I find that the news cycle is almost exactly the same every single day this Democratic senator said this about the president. The president tweeted this and it was really ugly and angry. Uh, Obama made a stop here and did this and everybody loved him to death. The Clintons went there and did this and everybody loved him to death. Uh, You know, that there's some pastor that's been accused of something terrible which happens just about every single week, which is shameful. You know, and it's just this continual cycle of the same things over and over. (laughs) The Lakers are doing incredibly terrible. Same story over and over. Just repeats itself. And then I question myself, why do I read the same garbage every day? I'll spend time in the Word instead. I promise you I'll be helped by that. That comes down to stewarding my time. But here's the thing about stewardship the time that you have is a gift from God to manage well. Are you managing your time well? You say, well, I'll get around to that one day. Yeah. God anticipated that you'd say that, and that's why in James 4, 13, in your notes there, it says, go to now, ye that say, today or tomorrow will go into such a city and continue there and buy and sell and get gain. Whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It's even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. Here's the fact of the matter. Life is short and you don't know when it's over. Life expectancy 76, but I might not live live to be 46. I might not live six more days. I have to steward my time well. I have to prepare in advance. Would it be a terrible thing if, let's just say, I died a week from now? And my last week on planet Earth, I spent in traffic being angry. I spent at a job that I hate, being a jerk to people that I didn't like. I came home and checked out by spending two hours a night on social media and then four hours a night on Netflix until I fell asleep. And that was my last week on planet Earth. I think all of us would agree that would be poor stewardship of the gift that God's given us of time and of life. Here's the thing, you don't know when your life is over, steward it well. I wanna make sure this week that I spend time with my children and make them feel like a million bucks so that when my time is over, that I stewarded my time well by investing it in the things that mattered. I want to spend my time with other men that want to grow to be more like Christ. I want to pour into their life and steward my time well by investing in their life. Time stewardship, it's a real thing. Next, we must steward our relationships. If you're taking notes, I'll write out beside this. Every relationship is a gospel opportunity. The people that I spend time with, I need to be careful with that. Because there's certain people in my life, what the Bible says are iron sharpening iron relationships. The more that I'm around this guy, he makes me a better man. He makes me love the Lord more. He makes me love my wife more. He makes me love my kids more. He makes me wanna be a better man. He makes me wanna do more for the cause of Christ. This guy helps me. Then there are other people in my life that just drag me down. There's other people in my life that every time I'm around them, they just wanna complain and gripe. There's people who want to complain to me, about me. There's people who wanna complain to me about our church. Hey, look, I don't have time for that, really. And I say this with all love in my heart for you, if who we call is not the right church for you, find the church that you need to be in and serve there wholeheartedly, jump in with both feet and serve Jesus. And when we get to heaven, we'll high five, we'll bro hug and we'll, we'll be excited to be with Jesus, right? But please don't try to bring me down or bring this church down with negativity. Too short for that. No, I do wanna preface that. If we are in error or someone is in sin, please, by all means, bring it up. But if you didn't like a song that we sang or your kid didn't get a coloring sheet or they gave out snacks and your kid didn't get a Rice Krispie Treat, they got fruit snacks instead, hey, let's just give each other grace and just keep serving Jesus together. But we have relationships that God has placed in our lives and we should look at every relationship as a gospel opportunity. I should wanna share Jesus Christ with every person that I know. I want to be around people that help me to be a stronger Christian. Men, if you wanna be a man of God, hang out with other men of God. Simple as that. (laughs) If you wanna be a man of God, yet you go out on Friday nights with the guys from work who drink, cheat on their wives, have foul mouths, and mock you for your faith. Gentlemen, you're going the wrong direction. It doesn't work that way. Ladies, if you wanna be a woman of God, don't hang out with women who are so enamored by this world. It doesn't work that way. I was talking to a girl, a single lady, several weeks ago, I was inviting her to our singles Bible study, I was talking with her, and she said, you know, she said, I just don't get the whole social media thing. She said, I have a friend that when one of the Kardashians, I I couldn't name him if I wanted to uh, because I I really don't care. So when she broke up with her boyfriend, she said, my friend cried for like two days straight that they had broken up. It's like, you don't even know this person. I know. But when I looked at their pictures on Instagram, I just thought that's what true love looks like. And she cried. And I thought to myself, "You, you gotta be kidding me. People cry over people you don't even know. I don't get it. But you know what that was? That was someone that was craving a relationship that they didn't have in real life. And so they supplemented with something online. And friends, be careful, you and I will fall into the same trap where we forgo real relationships in our life with the idea that we're connecting with people around the world. Hey, look, I really don't care what the people that I graduated high school with are doing right now. I don't care. I don't care where they had lunch. I don't care what kind of car they have. I don't care what the sunset looks like off of their back porch. I don't care. You know why? Because I gotta go back to the first one. I gotta steward my time well. And honestly, I don't have time for that at all. But the real people in my life, I wanna steward those relationships well. The men of this church, I want to invest in your life and help you and encourage you. And I wanna be encouraged by you. The ladies in this church, I know my wife feels the exact same way. She wants to get to know you and have coffee and hang out and encourage you and help you and be encouraged by that. We need those types of people in our, in our lives. Paul, as he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse number 10, he says, but thou hast fully known my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, charity, patience, persecutions, and afflictions, which came to me at Antioch and Iconium and Lystra, what persecutions I endured, but out of them the Lord delivered me. Hey, Timothy, you saw in my life what God did I wanna encourage you that you can do the same thing in your life. Paul was a person who continually tried to pour into people's lives when he was around them because he stewarded those relationships well. Next, we must steward our gifts. Every single person in this room has been given a gift by God to be used for his glory. And I know some of you are sitting here like I did for so many years and go, what gift do I have? Yeah, I have nothing. And immediately, when you think of people, you need to use your gift to glorify the Lord, people immediately say, well, I can't sing and I can't play any instruments. As if those are the only gifts. It's like, oh, you're right, you are useless to the cause of Christ. No, God has given every single person here a gift. Again, Romans, Romans chapter 12 talks about the spiritual gifts that we receive from the Holy Spirit. God gifts us to be able to build up his church, encourage his church, give God glory through our lives. Every single person has been given a gift, but we have to steward that gift well. Some people in this room have the gift of what the Bible calls ruling or administration, sometimes referred to as leadership. These are people who uh, get all of the details and they love things like Gantt charts and, and projects and, and putting together all the different steps that go with the, 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 uh, the project and stuff like that. I'm not an administrative guy. My wife would definitely be the administrative one in our family. I'm more of a big picture guy. (laughs) I remember um, it was two years ago, right before we moved into uh, this auditorium, we were having a July the 4th picnic. And I had said, uh, we we were still meeting in the auditorium over there. And I I said uh, on Sunday morning, I said, three weeks from now, we're gonna have our July the 4th picnic. And I said, it's gonna be the biggest picnic at a church you've ever been to in your life. It'll be the best picnic. You will not wanna miss it and I was getting people fired up and pumped up and stuff like that. And after church, my wife goes, wow, what have you got planned? I go, for what? And she goes, the picnic. I go, I don't know. (laughs) What do you mean you don't know? You just got to be telling everybody it's gonna be the best picnic they've ever been to in their life. I know, Um, we'll come up with something. And she was just like, you can't do stuff like that. It's just like, why? Again, I'm a big picture guy, just come, it's gonna be fun. And so my wife then, being the administrative person, she, she goes into panic mode. And so, she, so this was on Sunday. By like Wednesday, she gives me a list. Okay, here's the three jumper places that we can have. We can get this food truck that can show up and cook food out there, and we can do this for the kids and do that We'll have table's set up in here. And she said, wow, that's a really good idea. This could be the best picnic that people have <laughs> ever been to. And it was awesome. It really was. But it wasn't because of anything that I did because I'm not an administrative person. My wife thinks through things like if we have canned drinks, we'll have to put them on ice in a cooler. But if we get two liters, then we'll have to have cups. Then people will spill their drinks and it'll get everywhere and they'll have to clean everything up. And then we'll have to have a roll of paper towels instead of a stack of napkins. And I'm thinking, who thinks like this, right? That's just like out there. And some of you are going, ooh, yeah, I got that. That's me right there. That's not me. I'm big picture guy, right? But it's the details. But here's the thing. I don't have to be the details guy because in this church, we have details folks to do that for me. I can be a big picture guy and us big picture people can be big picture people because of the gifts that God's given to the rest of the congregation to steward those wells. Now, the gifts that God's given you, you might be using in your career field. You might be using it to to lead a group of people. You might be using it to get stuff done at work, and that's a good thing, no doubt, but please understand your gift was given to you not to advance you, but to advance the cause of Christ, to build up Jesus's church, to be stewarded for the glory of God. The Bible says, Proverbs 18, verse 16, a man's gift maketh room for him and bringeth him before great men. Next, we must steward our finances. Every dollar that you have to your name belongs to God. Every bit of it. Sometimes we get the idea that the tithe belongs to the Lord, and it certainly does. The tithe is the first tenth part of what we receive. We sometimes refer to that as first fruit giving that the first 10th of everything that I have that comes into my hands automatically belongs to God and we give back to him. But sometimes people have the misconception that the tithe is the Lord's and the other 90% is mine. No, no, 100% of it belongs to God. He just asks for 10% to be given back to him to further his kingdom. And he gives the remaining 90% to you to steward. You're the manager of God's funds. And so... What God places in my hands isn't mine, it's his. I just get to manage it for him. So I'll give him the the first fruit that he asks of me, the first 10% of what I give, I give to the Lord out of worship, love, adoration, and obedience. But the remaining 90%, I don't get to just blow how I want to willy-nilly. You know why? Because that still belongs to God. I wanna steward it well. For example, our family has made a commitment. Uh, and again, if you, if you do this, I'm not against you. I'm just telling you what our family has done and how we apply stewardship. Uh, we never buy a brand new car because it, it's gonna lose its value immediately. We never finance anything because we're making payments on something that we cannot afford. So for us, we'll find something that we can afford in our price range that we have the cash to buy that we'll buy that way because we realize this is God's money and I'm not gonna spend God's money paying interest on something just because I couldn't afford it to begin with. And if I can't afford it, maybe I shouldn't have it. This is crazy thinking to some of you, I know. But for us, that's how we apply the idea of stewardship. This belongs to God, I wanna manage it well. This also applies to the way that we spend our money. There are certain places that we, stores at the, the mall that we will not shop at because of the way, uh, the things that this company stands for. Now, please understand, that's a slippery slope. Don't go, go Googling what everybody believes because you won't eat, eat Ben and Jerry's for the rest of your life. That would be a terrible thing, you know. You won't ever buy anything at the Gap. That would be a terrible thing. You wouldn't buy anything in Old Navy ever again, you know. It'd be like making your own clothes at home with a sewing machine, right? I had a guy one time uh, tell me, we we sometimes on Sunday nights go over to the Ben and Jerry's that's over here at Ward. Uh, the folks that own that are some folks that we've been witnessing to and trying to share our faith with over several years. So we'll go over there uh, and try to talk with them and be encouraged with them and just have good ice cream, right? I had a guy come to me and, and show me, I've got this app on my phone that you can look up every company and how they spend their money and what they're politically aligned with. And so you can make sure that you never do business with these companies. And I was just like, ugh. And so he Pull up Ben and Jerry's and they gave money to this and that and the other causes that would not align with biblical values and stuff like that. And I go, hey, look, I, I get where you're going with that, but at the end of the day, you're showing it to me on an iPhone that was put together by seven year olds in China. You know, you you can't apply that to every area of your life. You're gonna you're gonna lose at some point. But for us, companies who overtly shake their hand in the fist, their fist in the face of God, I don't wanna put my money there. you know why? Because it's God's money. And so I wanna be a good steward of that. And again, every person has to find out where that line is for them and if every person it's gonna be different. But at the end of the day, my money doesn't belong to me, it belongs to the Lord. And when I take 100% of God's money and use it as my own, I'm not stewarding God's resources well. Two weeks from today, we'll take a special building offering uh, this year. I would encourage everyone to to pray and save and think about how God can have you be a part of that and to give towards that. We're praying that one day God would allow us to purchase this building or another building here in town to be our own. We rent this currently, and we're praying for the opportunity to own our own building one day. We're starting a building fund by faith, launching out in faith, believing that God would do that for us. You say, how's it going to happen? I have no idea, but I know that God is able, I want to be prepared for that. And so giving to a building offering is simply stewardship. Hey, God's given me this. I want to give it back to him. I want to advance the cause of Christ through what God has given me already. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse number one, now concerning the collection for the saints as I've given order to the churches of Galatia, even do so ye. Upon the first day of the week, let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. Paul challenges the church at Corinth. When you get together on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, take an offering, Every person should give as God has given them. If God's given you a little, you give a little. If God's given you a lot, you give a lot. You say, well, what's the the percentage on that? I believe biblically throughout the course of the Bible that the 10th part belongs to God, that's the tithe. And so here Paul challenges them to give in proportion to how God has blessed them and to give on a regular basis. The book of Malachi chapter three talks about tithing Malachi 3:10, bring you all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house, and prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, there shall not be enough room to receive it. Now, it's important to understand this was a promise that was given to the Jews that were required by law to give the tithe. I don't want to mix that up because sometimes pastors will say, Oh, this applies to you directly. This is not a direct application. However, this is a biblical principle. Put God first. He will always take care of every need that you ever have. It always works that way. Put God first in your finances, everything will work itself out. Put God first in your marriage, everything works itself out. Put God first in your family, everything works itself out. It's a biblical principle that that goes cover to cover in the Bible. Put God first and he'll honor you as you honor him. Next, this is really important. We must steward our testimony. I sometimes make the joke about the stickers that we give away. I say, if you drive like a Christian, you can put this on the back of your car. If you don't drive like a Christian, put it on a Hydro Flask or your laptop or something. And it's kind of funny and it is, but for us when we first started Hui Kala, we had a, a really beat up SUV that we bought when we got here because we were basically broke. And We had a Huikala sticker on the back. We were so proud of that because you know, we were starting a church, there's only a handful of us and our little beat up SUV we had, had a Huikala sticker on the back. And When it came time to sell that car, my wife says, hey, maybe we should scrape that sticker off before we do. And I said, no, 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 no. If that person wants to scrape it off, they can do it. But that's like free advertisement all around the island of people. They can look at our church and look it up on the internet and stuff. Let's leave that on there. <laughs> we had some friends who like two weeks ago say, like, hey, I thought you sold your SUVs. Like we did. It's like, well, somebody cut us off on the H1 and was switching lanes left <laughs> and right and stuff like that. And I said, I think that's pastor. My husband says, no, it's not. And I go, yes, it is. See the Who collar sticker on the back. And I thought, oh, that's terrible. <laughs> we were behind somebody the other day on the H1, uh, and the girl weaved into our lane. She didn't, like, cut us off. She just weaved all the way over into our lane. And, and my wife's like, you need to watch out. That person's drunk or something. And so I get up next to him on the side there, uh, and, and sure enough, they're not drunk. They got their phone. And she's, no lie, she's scrolling Instagram while she's driving. I'm not talking about stopped in traffic. I'm talking about she's driving and scrolling Instagram. And I thought to myself, you got to be kidding me. And my wife says on the back, she's like, she's got a New Hope bumper sticker. We should call her pastor. It's like, oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> Great idea, you know. But here's the idea. If you're going to call yourself a Christian, act like it. Don't tell people you go to who we call a Baptist church when you're the most foul-mouthed person in the office. Please don't tell them that. I I tell people, don't go to a restaurant and tip them with a gospel track. I'm not gonna leave a tip. I'm gonna leave the gospel instead. That's eternal riches there. No, you're a jerk. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) Leave a good tip and leave an invitation to our church. That's the way it gets done. If you're a cheapskate and you don't tip or you don't believe in tipping or something like that, I got a stack of Jehovah's Witness Watchtower magazines (laughs) that you can take with you and leave those instead. But don't give out our our church name. Why? Because if you're gonna call yourself a Christian, act like it. Hey, look, don't wear a Hui Kala T-shirt to the bar while you have six beers in a row and fall out of your chair at Chili's. Please don't do that. Why? Because it's not just our church name, it's the Lord's name. Steward your testimony. Think about the things that you post online. Think about the arguments that you get into online. I had Somebody one time, no lie, was a member of our church and they made the news for calling someone and leaving them a threatening voicemail with foul language and it played on the six o'clock news on Hawaii News Now. I got a phone call, pastor, did you know this happened? I said, I did, you're about the 18th person that's called me to tell me about it, right? And this person, <laughs> You do a Google search for their name, it takes you to their Twitter page. First post on their Twitter page is worshiping Jesus at who we call a Baptist church. And I thought, oh, this went from bad to worse, right? And I said to the guy, what were you thinking? And he goes, I never thought this would come back on our church or upon the Lord. And he said, I'm so embarrassed. How do I fix this? First of all, don't act like an idiot. And secondly, if you're gonna call yourself a Christian, act like it. Steward your testimony. Here's the thing. You might be the only Christian that some people will ever meet in their entire life. And what they think of as a Christian is what they think of when they think of you. Do they think, this guy's the real deal. Man, this lady, she'd give you the shirt off of her back. And I remember that one time we didn't have a car and they let us borrow their car. Hey, I remember that one time where we were in a rough spot and they came over and prayed with us. Man, we didn't hardly know them, but they came over and prayed with us. That's what a Christian's like. Or do they think, Ha, Christians, yeah, I used to work with a guy. The dude came in smelling reeking of alcohol every single Monday morning. He was having an affair with his wife and everybody in the office knew it. (sighs) Calls himself a Christian. Yeah, I guess that's how Christians live. Hey, look, that hurts the cause of Christ. That hurts the name of Jesus. Don't do that. Steward your testimony so that when people think of Christ and you in the same sentence, it's in a positive way. Oh, that's how Christians act. That's how Christians live. Steward your testimony. First Peter chapter three, verse number fifteen, is sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be always ready to give an answer to every man that asketh you the reason of the hope that's in you with meekness and fear. Having a good conscience, whereas they speak evil of you as evildoers, they may be ashamed that falsely accuse your good conversation or the good way that you live your life in Christ. You know what Peter says? Live your life in such a way that people would be embarrassed to make an accusation against you. Oh, that guy, he's such a jerk. <laughs> That guy, are you kidding me? Do you even know him? He's one of the nicest people I've ever met in my entire life. Good grief, what's wrong with you? Oh, sorry, that's what it's talking about. People will be embarrassed to make an accusation against you because of the way you live your life in Christ. That's the way we steward our testimony. Final thought this morning, we must steward the gospel, the message of Jesus and what he's done for us. We have to take that message and we have to invest it well. Jesus Christ died for sinners. You and I have broken God's law. You and I have sinned against the holy God. You and I deserve to die because of our sin. That's what the Bible says. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. I've sinned, you've sinned, and that puts us in the crosshairs of God's wrath and judgment. When we die, we will have to pay for our sins unless somebody else pays. And when you pay for your sins, you're separated from God forever in a place called hell. That's the worst news you could ever get but the Bible says the wages of sin is death because of your sin. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus came and died in your place. Romans chapter five, verse number eight, but God commendeth or demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Jesus died in your place so that you don't have to die, so that you don't have to experience God's wrath. Jesus already made the payment for you, but you have to accept that payment. The only way that you can accept God's payment of forgiveness is to repent of your sins. It means to turn away from your sin and turn to Jesus instead. And friend, there must be a time in your life where you have been saved or born again. Jesus says, no man shall see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. It's the only way to heaven through Jesus alone. And if you're here today and you do not know for sure that heaven is your home, please get that squared away before you leave here today. But for those of us that know Christ, the Bible says we're ambassadors for Christ that we're stewards of the mysteries of God, that it's our job to take the message of the gospel and give it to people, that your neighbor who acts like an unsaved person because he is an unsaved person, the only hope that he has for this life and the next is Jesus, and you have the answer. Will you share it with him? That's stewardship of the gospel. Every Christian must steward the gospel well. But here's the thing about stewardship. Stewardship. With stewardship comes a day of accountability. Think about that. At some point, the master's gonna say, hey, everything that I gave you, what did you end up doing with that? Hey, those things that I left you with, how did you invest them? And the Bible says that all of us will stand before God one day. After this life is over, you will stand before God. You will stand before God in one of two places. If you've been saved, if you've been born again, the Bible says you will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Not to determine whether you go to heaven or hell, that's already determined by your faith in Christ. But you'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and God's gonna say, hey, what did you do with all that stuff that I gave you? Hey, I gave you a job making six figures. How did you spend that money? Hey, I put you right next door to somebody who is going through a really difficult spot and needed to know Jesus. How did you manage that? hey, I gave you kids that I expected to raise for me. How did you manage them? And the Bible says we'll give an account of our life before God. That's called the judgment seat of Christ. And the Bible says that we will either receive rewards based on how we lived our life or we'll lose rewards based on how we invested the resources that God gave us. That's the judgment seat of Christ. But friend, if you're here today and there's never been a time in your life where you've been saved or born again, you get a much worse judgment. It's called the great white throne judgment. And that's a day of accountability as well. And that day will not be a question of what did you do with the job that you had? How did you spend the money that you had? The accounting that day will be, why did you reject Jesus Christ? That's it. That's the only question that you'll be asked. And let me just tell you, there's no good answer on that day there's no talking your way out of it. There's no court of appeals. There's no second chances. It's over and done at that point. The Bible says that God will open the book, which is called the book of life, and he's gonna look for your name and it's not found there because you rejected Christ. The Bible says all whose names were not found written in the Lamb's book of life were cast into the lake of fire for all of eternity. This is the second death. That's it, over and done with. Friend, I don't want you to go there. God doesn't want you to go there. You don't wanna go there. Put your faith in Christ today. But know this, everything that you have that's a gift from God, you're gonna give an account one day to God for how you used it. And I don't know about you, but there's been times in my life where I have not stewarded the things that God's given me well. I've wasted my time, I've wasted money, I've wasted relationships, and I don't wanna live that way any longer because I know I have to steward those things well. Most important thing in the world, if you're here today and you do not know for sure that you're saved, Please put your faith and trust in Christ today. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. You can't say, well, I'll put my faith in Christ before I die, friend. You don't know when that day will be. The Bible says it's appointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. All of us will stand before God one day. Are you ready? My job as a pastor is to prepare you for the day that you stand before God that you can stand there with joy, not regret. One of the greatest fears of my life early on in my Christian walk was that I would stand before God and be embarrassed to be there. That I'd be so ashamed of the way that I'd live my life. That I'd be so ashamed of the things that I was involved with. And I made a commitment. Man, this was probably 18 years ago now at this point. I don't wanna stand before God with regret. So I'm gonna live every single day so I can stand before him with joy. And friend, that's what I want for you today. That you can stand before Jesus Christ one day with joy. I didn't live a perfect life, but I lived every single day for God's glory. I didn't steward everything perfectly, but I tried to manage it in a way that would give God glory. And I hope to hear it, and I hope you'll hear one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. I hope that's what you'll hear one day, but I wanna prepare you for that. But it comes down to stewarding what God's given us well.